everybody. This is John Fan, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I.org. Today, talking about house church leadership. You know, in our house church uh, channel here on YouTube, we have lots of different categories, several different speakers, uh, different subjects. Today, talking about house church leadership. Where do they come from? Who are they? How do you establish them in a house church? And I want to just spend a second, just a minute, rather not a second, I don't want to exaggerate, just a minute rehearsing a little bit about what I've said in the previous two, which were about house church from Adam uh, to Pentecost and then Pentecost through the New Testament. And that is that everything in the New Testament was written by apostles doing church in the home to people doing church in the home. And so therefore the context of the New Testament is church in the home. So our understanding of the fivefold ministries of the Lord's Supper, of the role of husbands and wives and, and all of that uh, is related to the, the and set in the context of the home and home-based meetings. And so with that understanding, we've got to understand what does leadership look like? You know, 20 centuries have passed and it didn't take long before we had different denominations, different quote-unquote streams of the faith arise in Christian circles. Um, the the Roman Catholic, the Episcopal, the Ang- or the Lutheran um, all have an Episcopal, or excuse me, have a bishop-based leadership uh, that you'll see the leaderships over the local uh, pastors or priests rather, and then uh, and that's based on that. If you look at the Presbyterian denomination, the presbyters. Uh, that is a group of elders lead that church. If you look at something like the Assembly of God, it's a democracy. There, 51% of the congregation can vote the pastor out uh, in a lot of those churches. So, uh, and, and there's some variation. There's some that may be organized differently, but in generally general terms, there are different forms of government. All of those came about because they lifted the New Testament out of the context and tried to make it fit into the auditorium. So what does Scripture actually say? Well, and in, 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 in what does it look like in a house church? What does leadership look like? And, and remember this context, too. We were raised in a church culture that thinks that disciples are made through anointed meetings. But the Bible says disciples are made through spiritual fathers and mothers and friends. In other words, the New Testament is, raised, is based on relationship-based faith. Again, we were raised in a culture that believes disciples are made through anointed meetings. If you can just bring your friend to church or whatever the case is, you know, that's going to help them become disciple. But actually, the scripture says that the disciples are made not by anointed meetings, but by relationships, spiritual fathers and mothers, spiritual friends guiding a person along. If, if anybody watching this, if you'd like to think back to your early days in the Lord or perhaps even now where you are, there, there should be somebody in your life, in most cases there have been, that, that, that brought you along in the faith, that told you some of the basics taught you, maybe brought you to a meeting, but it was relationship-based faith. That's how you grew in the Lord. So with that in context, understand that Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he lays out some of the, the guidelines for leadership. He also talks about it in uh, to Titus, but 1 Timothy 3, where he talks about what's translated as the word bishop and deacon, which are really uh, the words episkopos, where we get episcopal, and deacon is servant or serving or min- translated ministry elsewhere. But what does he say? And the, what he says there are things like, you know, the the person has to be, um, you know, not a fighter, not given to wine, open to hospitality, stable in his life, not a novice, uh, husband of one wife. And what, and we understand, let me clear that up real quick, just because it's a bugaboo for somebody uh, out there. But husband of one wife from 1 Timothy 3 is talking about polygamy. It's not talking about marriage and divorce. 
Uh, if 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 the if the category for being an elder in the body of Christ, a leader in the body of Christ, was a husband of one wife, Paul would be disqualified because he was single. I mean, take that logic, take that understanding to its logical conclusion, and you'd say that Jesus, that, that Paul was single. So in the Lord, when Jesus called him, he couldn't be a leader. It's like that doesn't make sense. Husband of one wife. If you look at the tradition of the time, and even now, I deal with it on about once a month basis, probably. It means polygamy. Um, today, as back then, today, what we deal with is uh, people in tribal areas, especially or family areas. Uh, where they are clans, where they have like a, a child bride, where they have a a, a, a a tribal wife and then a real wife, uh, you know, stuff like that. And Paul's just saying, if you're in leadership, you have to be the husband of one wife. He's not talking about marriage and divorce. You can be married and divorced and everything and married again. And uh, that's that's the law from Deuteronomy 24.1 and Paul's talking in 1 Corinthians 7, etc. And Paul would not disqualify himself when he said, you've got to be the husband of one wife to be a leader because Paul was single. So we don't disqualify the Apostle Paul. So that understanding has to be laid aside for the understanding of the culture of the day of multiple wives. And even to this day, like I said, I deal with it in our house church network about once a month, probably from someone who has basically a tribal spouse and then a someone they actually fell in love with. And how do you deal with balancing that and ending the contract with the one in order to marry the other? So anyway, I'm rambling on a little bit about the bit of trivia here for some, but it, but that's the context. And so the three categories are these. Uh, what he's saying about leadership is they are stable in their faith, they're stable in life, and uh, they're stable in character. By saying he's not a fighter, you know, not not one who who gives um, himself to wine, uh, open to hospitality, rules his household well, you know, husband of one wife, all these things, not a novice, it ca- falls under those three categories: stable in life, stable in faith, uh, and uh, stable in uh, their walk with the Lord. Those three areas, and so taking those three categories that Paul talks about in First Timothy three: stable in life, stable in in um, in Christian character and stable in their faith. And we look at that, and he talks about in Acts 17, uh, 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 20, that is Acts 20, verses 17 and 28. And in Acts 17, he calls for the elders of the church. And what the elders of the church uh, in the Greek is the word presbyteros, or which literally means old men, but it's a council of men. And remember, they stayed within the synagogue system. Again, if you've listened to the first two of these, entitled House Church, Adam to Pentecost, and then Pentecost, especially the second one, Pentecost uh, and the New uh, Testament, you remember that they started in the synagogue system, which was governed by families. They had 10 families as a minimum, and it was these moms and dads and grandparents and everything else who were the core of the leadership. And these were people who were stable in life, stable in their faith, and, and stable in character, in godly character. And they uh, rotated among themselves within the synagogue system. So it naturally carried over to the body of Christ. And that's the, the guidelines that Paul lays out. So when we go to Acts chapter 20, verses 17, and then also 28, Paul lays out, narrows this down a little bit, because there are a lot of people, folks, who are out there who are stable in their life, stable in their in their Christian uh, walk, and stable in character. There are a lot of good people out there, but you know what? A lot of them are self-centered. A lot of them have no intention of being involved in anybody else's life. It doesn't matter whether they have kids or, or no kids, whether they're empty nesters or a room or a house full of kids. There are people out there who are stable in life, stable in their faith, stable in their Christian character, but they just 
are too busy or don't have an interest or a natural inclination towards others. And so let's narrow that down a bit because 1 Timothy 3 is not a standalone verse, uh, passage on, on leadership. So let's narrow it down to Acts chapter 17, Acts 20, verses 17 and 28. So in verse 28, he says, take heed to yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Take heed to yourselves and to the flock. Those two elements of these people who are stable in life, stable in character, stable in their faith, that, those two elements that they take heed to themselves, they're serious about themselves and to the flock. This is something that you'll find that's over and above people who are stable in those three areas. They have a natural heart for the flock. And Paul says, take heed to yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And that word is the word bishop or episkopos. So he's saying that these people who are stable in these three areas, they're out of them will come people who have a natural tendency towards the flock, and they're aware that the Holy Spirit has brought them into that, brought them into that fellowship, that that house church, etc. And he says this, and he says, tend the flock. And the word tend there is the word pastor. So right here in these the same group of people, the presbyteros, the elders, literally old men, and that's not necessarily an age designation, but rather an experience designation. Uh, for in practical terms, in our house church network, and you can see it through church history too, there were many young men and young women. I mean, the apostle John was like 17 years old when he came, when he fought, started following the Lord. By most people's estimates, he was about 16 or 17 years old when he became a disciple of Jesus. Uh, you know, and yet he was called as an apostle. And so you find, you find, you know, in Acts, or excuse me, Romans 16, 7, there's a husband-wife team, Andronicus and Junia, who were in Christ before me, my kinsmen, he says, who were apostles, the apostles, Andronicus and, Jun- and Junia, husband-wife team. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a designation of age, you have to cer- pass a certain threshold to be a presbyteros, an old man, quote-unquote, but it's referring to eldership, it's referring to recognition in the body of Christ for, for your stability, not only in life, faith, and, uh, and character, but also in the fact that you uh, are one who the Lord has anointed, and you have it on your heart to take heed to yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to pastor the people. They are your pastors. And in a house church, what this looks like is this. These are the people, because they have a natural tendency towards the, for, towards the flock, these are the people who open up their homes. They're the ones who take the late night phone calls when somebody's in trouble. They're the ones who say, hey, so-and-so is short on their bill and we need to gather some money to, to help pay their utility bill or their car payment or their house payment or whatever the case is. These are people who naturally rise to the top. Because in a, in a house church, once you you get to, uh, you know, half a dozen people or whatever, you, or more than that, let's say 10 people, uh, the percentages in house church are much like they are in the auditorium church. That is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 80% of the giving. You know, 20% of the people are the core of any church. Uh, I was part on staff of a church of over 10,000 people, and I had the, the chief financial officer say, you know, out of the 10,000 we have, about 2,000 are actually giving and uh, and volunteering. Those same ones who give financially are also the ones who volunteer their time and resources and everything else. And that's it's true in house church. You've got 10 people, two of them will be the most active. You get 20 people or 15 people, and you've got four people or maybe five or six. A little more, a little more different sometimes in house church. But it's still, you have that core, and those form your leadership. They are they become the pastors of that house church. They're the ones who will rotate. You may have 15 or 20 people, but you'll only have three or four houses that you'll rotate between. And again, they followed the synagogue system of rotating homes or rotating who led each week. In the synagogues, once again, the old system was 10 families were a minimum to form a synagogue, a gathering uh, weekly on the Sabbath. And now as the church was 
turned into Gentiles, they met more on the Sundays because that was what was important to the Gentiles who never had heard of the Mosaic law and all that and had to be educated about it. But uh, as Paul said in Romans 14, you know, some people consider one day more holy than the other, but what you do, you do unto the Lord because Christ is Lord of the of, of the Sabbath. And so I, because I've got him in me, every day is a Sabbath day. I'm at rest and peace with God. Um, but the point is, who are the leaders? They are the people who are stable in life, stable in character, stable in their faith, and also that they have take heed to themselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. They're aware that it's the Holy Spirit doing it, and they tend the flock. They pastor the flock. The word tend there means from birth to death. It doesn't mean feed. It means to tend from birth to death in Acts 20, uh, 20 and 28. Uh, verse 28, Acts chapter 20. So so there you have the mix. Where do the leaders come from? And folks, let me tell you this. You can find those qualities in teenagers. You can find those in, in tweens. You can find those in preteens. You set a group of kids together at a house church meeting, and, and maybe six or eight kids are playing or 10 kids are playing, and you watch who is the leadership. You can see even within their eight, nine, 10-year-old bodies and mindset and education level and all that stuff of an eight, nine, 10 year old that are mere, mere children. But you can see those who are stable in their lives and they naturally have a heart towards others. And they are the ones who will come and get mom and dad if there's a problem with one of the younger ones. You know, you can see this in teenagers. I, I, we've seen this. We've had several different house churches led by teenagers. A parent will be in the house, but a teenager will will have other teens over for pizza, video games, and, and worship the Lord or whatever the case is, and they'll do house church. But uh, of those teens, there may be two or three of them who are the real core of the of those of that weekly gathering of ten or fifteen kids, and it's the same thing with adults. You'll you'll see when you get in there, you'll see that the 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 core people are the ones who really have a heart for others. They're serious about it. Uh, they are and and the thing about a house church, a house church is not like a, a Bible study that come and go as you please. House church people. Uh, in the biblical house church, if you look at it, they lived intentionally towards one another. They lived with purpose. And so these core people are like, hey, this is how we do church. This is a lifestyle. Uh, you know, they they take heed to themselves and to the flock. They're aware the Holy Spirit is doing it. They're tending people. And that's very different from a person who's, who's just maybe stable in life, stable in character, stable in their faith. And because a house church is filled with people who aren't stable in maybe one or two of those three areas. And there are, and it's also filled with people who are stable, who are maybe the next generation, if they could ever get them their eyes off of themselves and start caring for others and let the Lord work that in their heart to be outward oriented instead of self-oriented. So anyway, that's kind of a, a quick 15-minute nutshell of, of leadership in house church. I'll pick this up again. Stay on this subject, house church. Hope it's been a blessing to you. God bless. Thank you.